You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, upc.org. Christmas is yet uh, a week away. It's getting very close. And yet, according to one commentator in the media, we have already debunked the feel-good story of the season. You probably saw the story. It was a photograph that uh, went viral on the internet, and it was a picture taken by a woman from Arizona named Jennifer Foster. She was visiting Times Square on a cold, uh, dark uh, afternoon or evening, and she saw something she didn't expect. There was a police officer on his knees. He had stooped over a homeless man, and she saw him there with a pair of boots in front of him, and she clicked the photo with her phone. Turns out Officer Larry DePrimo had walked by this homeless guy and decided to do what nobody else had done that night. He turned around and he went into a sporting goods store, pulled a hundred dollars out of his wallet, bought a brand new pair of boots and socks and went back to that man. And he kneeled down at his freezing, blistered and bare feet and put them on. The feel-good story hit the wire with a vengeance. And it was wonderful to see this photograph of what just seems to capture the Christmas spirit. And yet, it did not take us more than a few moments in the blogosphere to begin to debunk. And you know how the story goes. As I recall, first there was somebody else who saw this homeless man just a couple days later, and he wasn't wearing the new boots. He was still barefoot. And then somebody else recognized the man's face and identified him as Jeffrey Hillman. We found out Jeffrey Hillman actually has a family in Pennsylvania that has tried to be very kind and continues to want to support him. But he's not been able to receive that support. He's also, we found out, an Army veteran. And he has at his disposal a number of social services for drug addiction and mental health. But most of all, we found out that Jeffrey Hillman is not homeless, he has an apartment in the Bronx. And you could hear it coming. Although I don't think the culture saw it this way, I I would call it judgment. The judgment that was eclipsing the beauty of the kindness. Because the question that was being asked was, is Jeffrey Hillman worthy of the kindness that Officer Larry DePrimo offered? Does he deserve the boots? And and the answer seem implicitly to be no, not with all of that. So much for the feel-good story. And I want to suggest to you that on the one hand, maybe uh, getting rid of some of the sentimentality is not a bad thing this time of year. I mean, don't you agree? Sentimentality is a wonderful thing and it's great to feel good, but is feeling good really the standard of a successful Advent season? Is that what you're after? Just emotion? Because I want to tell you that sentimentality will not do a thing for the problems of this world. It doesn't do a thing for those who are in Newtown, Connecticut, with their lives ripped apart. And think of that, 28 people dead. What a tragedy. And I'm so glad that it has moved us and confounded us and broken our hearts as a nation. But I got to tell you, 2012, almost 40,000 people have died in Syria. 40,000. And the families in Connecticut, 
And the families in Syria, they don't need our sentimentality. They don't need Americans feeling good this Advent season. They need something so much more tangible. And so maybe it's good that we get past some of the sentimentality in the season. And yet, and yet on the other hand, I want to suggest to you that this little incident in New York City presents to us another lesson. And I think there's a deeper risk here. And that is that we might miss the kindness of the season with all of our cynicism, with all of our rising judgmentalism. There's something about you and me. There's something about the human race. There's something about this creation right now that resists the kind of kindness that would make a difference in the world. And one of my lessons here as I look at that photo and the story around it is that there's something sometimes even harder than giving kindness and that's receiving it. How well do you receive kindness? Someone said to me the other day, you know, George, my life has just been so chaotic. I feel absolutely exhausted. I'm slamming into this season and I don't want to miss the spirit of Advent. I don't want to miss it. And I said, me too. And I don't know about you, but what I do when I want to try to catch the season is when I'm in my car, I, tr I try to find that radio station. It's got all the Christmas carols and think if I listen to enough of that, maybe I'll find myself in the spirit of the season. But I want to tell you, if you don't want to miss the season this Advent, you just have a couple more weeks left. And here's what you cannot afford to miss. It's the kindness of God in Jesus Christ. It's the kindness that God has chosen to speak into time and space when he's spoken the one definitive word that matters for all creation. He's revealed himself most completely and perfectly in a baby. In the vulnerability of persecution. In the dirtiness of a feeding trough. As we read our text this morning, I want to invite you to look for the kindness of God in this story, which is the beginning of the gospel story in Matthew. And let's open up our Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 1, where it all begins, verses 18 through 25. You'll find the text on page 783. Uh, if you would, let's stand together and read God's word aloud, if you're able. Um, Matthew 1, chapter... Chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And when we're done reading, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, so that if you believe it, you can say, thanks be to God. Listen carefully. You're reading God's holy word. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. 
When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son. And he named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord lasts forever. Please be seated. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way, Matthew tells us. It took place in this way. What way? Well, in a word, I want to suggest kindness. We see it in Joseph, don't we? We see tremendous kindness in Joseph. He stoops for Mary. I mean, Joseph has a problem. If you ask Joseph how uh, much of a feel-good nativity he's having this season, what do you think he's going to say? This stinks. I hate Advent. Right? I mean, because here's Joseph, and he's got a real problem in his life. As far as I can tell, he's got three problems. I count them. I mean, by the way, notice, that Joseph. you know something that Joseph doesn't know. Not only because you know the Christmas story, but because there's a difference between, and a dynamic tension between verses 18 and 19. In verse 18, the writer Matthew tells us what Joseph doesn't know. And that's the crisis in his life is actually a place in which the Holy Spirit is already at work. Joseph doesn't know this until an angel comes and, and speaks to him. So verse 19, Joseph's got these three problems. Adultery, deception, and disgrace. Adultery. Because he's got a woman to whom he's betrothed, which is a legally binding contract in that culture, from which to get out you'd have to divorce someone. That's the language of some of our translations, and it's accurate. And his, his wife has cheated on him. She's been with another man. Adultery he's got. And deception. See, every time he's asked her about this tummy bump, she's got another story. She denies it. She's got some crazy fable. So maybe there's insanity there as well in his mind, but certainly deception. She's lying. And then, finally, public disgrace. He's trying to think of a way that he can get out of this thing, certainly for himself, but if not for himself, very kindly for Mary without public disgrace. What does this feel like for Joseph? It feels like shame. It's a shameful situation for him. He's losing his reputation. But notice what he does. He could vindicate his reputation by calling everybody's attention to the shame of his wife. Surely, in his mind, she deserves it. But he doesn't do that. He's a righteous man, which means he knows his Bible and he knows he's within his rights to divorce her and even to ask for her head. doesn't do that. Quietly, he seeks to dismiss her. You see, when presented with this kind of shame, he could turn towards judgment. He could let that rise and eclipse any fiber of kindness, but he doesn't. He stoops. Joseph's solution is to give up his reputation and give up the right of retribution. We see kindness in Joseph. But not only in Joseph. We see it in the one to whom Joseph points. Matthew's giving you a clue to this when the angel comes and says to Joseph, son of David. David wasn't his father. David was the great king of Israel way back in the lineage. And for Matthew... 
to remember that the, the angel had referred to Joseph as the son of David is to tell you that there's something in the heart of Joseph that is true to the heart of Jesus. Remember, Matthew has begun his gospel in the very first verse referring to Jesus as the son of David. Jesus is the son of David and Joseph is the son of the David. So that tells the reader, watch for the heart of God in Joseph. Because you're going to see it most clearly in his son, Jesus. So we look not only for Joseph's kindness, but we look for God's kindness. Because in this way, the birth of Jesus took place. God has stooped in this way for us. Back in uh, the 5th century, there was a gathering of followers of Jesus Christ in modern-day Turkey, Chalcedon. And they wrestled with the question that we're wrestling with this Advent season. Who is Jesus Christ? What a perplexing figure. What words could we use? And, and they came up with language that's called today the definition of Chalcedon. It's put a bracket around Orthodox Christianity. And if you want to affirm who Jesus is in, in the Orthodox way, you could best use these four little uh, cues. The, the, the Chalcedonian box, as it's sometimes referred to. Jesus is one person. Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully human in two natures. And this morning we reflect on the mystery that Jesus is fully human. The way they debated that in Chalcedon was to have an argument over this phrase that people kept using of Mary. They called her the mother of God, Theotokos. How could God have a mother? How could the creator be formed inside the womb of a creature? The birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. A lot of theologians and a lot of us have scratched our heads and wondered about the, the virgin conception, as it's properly called. And, and truly, Matthew teaches that here, I believe. But I don't think that's his focus. When he speaks of this way, it's not just the fact that he's not the genetic father of Jesus. He speaks of the conditions into which God chose to step when he was born. This crisis, this social shame of a family on the margin, soon to be on the run before a persecuting authority. In this way, God chose to enter this is remarkable. If you were worshiping with us last week, you saw that he's the one to whom all praise is due. He's the eternal God, begotten of the Father before the ages. In Psalm 2, we see him laughing on his throne before all of the kings who would, uh, who, who, who would rebel against him. He could come like Alexander the Great. He could come like Julius Caesar. And yet he comes with such humility and so tenderly and so kindly. Why? It's kindness. It's who he is. God stoops because he wants to be near. He wants to be to us, Emmanuel, God with us. That's what the Hebrew means. He wants to be for us, Jesus. It's the Greek translation of the Hebrew, Joshua, which means he saves. God stoops in kindness. That's the point that I'm trying to make this morning. Uh, and because he does, we have hope to share. We need him. It's not mere sentimentality. 
Brene Brown is the uh, lecturer that um, many of us have been listening to. If you listen to TED Talks, she's got a couple of great uh, lectures. Brene Brown, she's a research professor in social work at the University of Houston, Texas. And one of the things she says is, all of us experience shame. It's the universal condition of all humanity. All of us have it. What is shame? She says, shame is that thing that says, uh-oh, you're not good enough. You never finished your MBA, or your wife left you, or I know your dad really wasn't in Luxembourg. He was in Sing Sing. I know, I know there were things that happened to you growing up. I know that you don't think you're pretty enough, or smart enough, or talented enough, or powerful enough. I know your dad never paid attention even when you made CFO. Guilt is the thing that says, I did bad. Shame is the thing that says, I am bad. Guilt is the thing that said, I made a mistake. Shame is the thing that says, I am a mistake. Why would God come to be born in shame? I mean, this will hurt Joseph, and this will run throughout Jesus' ministry. Just think about it. when Jesus gets separated from his family as an adolescent, and he goes to the temple, and they find him. What does he say to Joseph? He says, didn't you think you'd find me in my father's house? That's got to hurt Joseph. When he knows, he's saying, you're not my real dad. Jesus, for 30 years into his public ministry, people, the rumors of this scandal will continue to circulate. In John chapter 8, his opponents say to him, oh yeah? Well, why don't you go get your daddy? Where'd you come from? Shame. Jesus proves to be God with us, the God who steps into our shame, who moves towards our shame, who gives up his reputation to give up any retribution in our lives. Jesus is the one who is always infamously dining with sinners, touching the lepers, breaking bread with prostitutes and tax collectors. He's God with us. He's God with all of us. The Bible says God has given up his reputation to give up retribution. Did not think equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, humbling himself even to the point of death on a cross. This is not feel-good spirituality. This is the goodness of God up against the darkness of our hearts. See, if we read stories about marriages failing, about children born out of wedlock, about rulers who turn against their own people, about the slaughter of innocent children, we're not reading Bible stories, we're reading today's newspaper. This is our life, this is our shame. And so it's no surprise that when the gospel writers report the birth of the Savior Jesus Christ, they tell the same stories. They tell the story of Joseph and Mary and Herod, the brute, and all of Bethlehem, the families in mourning for lost children. God stoops in kindness so that he can save us. He is God with us. So how do we respond to this kindness? Two things. Very quickly, you have to hear God's kindness for you. You have to hear him say it. You have to hear him speak a word of kindness in your life and Frankly, you and I tend to have a resistance to that word. Maybe today that's exactly what you need and nothing more just to hear a, a, a personal word of kindness, to know that God is with you. 
When the Apostle Paul, this great apostle whose life was turned around, writes a letter to the Christians in Rome, this magisterial exposition of the good news of Jesus Christ, he begins with a question. Chapter 2, verse 4, second half, he says, Do you not know that it is the kindness of God that is meant to lead you to repentance? Do you not know that it is the kindness of God that leads you to change your life? It's not judgment. The world has enough judgment. And judgment has never changed a life. Not even a little bit. But God's kindness, that's his instrument for the transformation of your life. For the transformation of the world. But you have to hear it. And I have to hear it for myself. There's some voice inside of all of us that very quickly asks the question that we asked. Of Jeffrey Hillman. Does he deserve it? Do you think he deserves it? And something inside of me, do you think I deserve it? And the answer is no. It's the good news. None of us deserves it. That's what God's kindness is all about. The good news of this morning is God has not given up on you. Your family may have given up on you. The world may have given up on you. You may have given up on you, but God has not given up on you. He's with you. And he stoops to be with you. You don't need to hear an angel tell you that. You've already heard the definitive speech of God in this baby. He loves you. The second way we respond to God's kindness is to share it. To share God's kindness. They ask Officer De Primo, why did you do this? And it's interesting what he didn't say. He didn't say because I thought the homeless man deserved it. No, he said it was something I had to do. Which means it was something I really wanted to do. And he talks about what it was like. He says, when I brought out the shoes, there was just a smile from ear to ear on his face. It was a great moment for both of us. And that's what it's like. Those of us who have truly heard God's kindness for us, we can't help but want to share that same kindness with others. He changes our lives. He invites us to be a part of what he's doing, changing the lives of people around us. And he does it by changing the whole paradigm. The world tells you what you ought to do is you ought to live your life accumulating reputation so that you have your greatest reputation at the end of your life. But what Jesus tells you is, no, you don't have to live that way. In fact, you get to live your life giving your reputation away. And the world tells you when you're hurt, you retribute. You strike back. Jesus gives you a power to say, I will not seek retribution even from my enemies, even when I am hurt. What the world needs is a community of people who live that way, who stand next to those who are broken and says, I know your name, I know God loves you, and I am going to stand with you and for you. It doesn't have to be a big deal, a big play. It can be a small act of kindness, a very little thing, like a pair of boots, a smile. Brian Kuhn, one of our uh, members here, is an English teacher, uh, he's, not, he's a math teacher, and uh, he, in his first year of teaching, was put into a very tough situation. He was put in mid-year to substitute for another teacher who just left. And there were tremendous discipline problems in the classroom. One of the kids who was the worst was a, a young girl. And he uh, took her out into the hallway one time. And she was just giving him the hardest time. And he wanted to return the favor, frankly. But as he looked into her eyes, something else happened. There was a moment of inspiration in Brian. And this is what he said to her. He said, you know... I, I can tell you're hurt. 
And I, 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 from the way you're acting towards me, I have a feeling that I must have said something or I must have done something to hurt you. And I, and I want you to know that I'm sorry for that. He humbled himself. Do you see? He stooped before her. And all of a sudden, she burst into tears and, be able to, and, and opened up and shared her story with him. That moment occurred because of his kindness, because he sought grace from her. And in so doing, he convinced her that grace is a possibility and that she stood in the presence of a man who believed in true God, kindness, and that maybe she too could experience it. And it began to make a difference. What if this Christmas, you and I made a commitment to one another to practice Christmas kindness just for two weeks? Just do it for two weeks with me, and then you're off the hook, okay? You can do whatever you want. <laughs> January comes, you can forget the whole deal. Uh, but you may find that by February, you're liking this so much, it's become a part of who you are. So but just say for two weeks, ask God each day, God, would you give me eyes to see someone, near or far, with whom I can practice a simple act of Christmas kindness? Maybe it's someone standing in the grocery line. Maybe it's someone that you haven't talked to in a long time. You put a post on their face or you send them a letter. Maybe it's uh, some money that you send somewhere in the world. Maybe it's inviting someone to the Christmas table that everybody in your family knows really has no right to be there. I don't know what it would be. But would you join me each day for the next two weeks in Christmas kindness? I'm going to take a moment here as our service continues and um, meditate and ask God speaking to you. I'm going to put a, an image up on the screen done by Michelangelo. It shows the Holy Family, but there's something different. It was controversial in his day because he didn't show the Christ child in the center of the photo, and there's no halo. Very much like a natural child squirm, squirming in the Holy Family's arms, trying to get out. We realize this is a family that we recognize, and this is a baby who's very much uh, like us, human in all respects. Let's ask him to speak kindly to us. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.